Welcome to Indie Matters, the podcast from the Nevada Independent. I'm your host, Joey Lovato, up here in Reno. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis down in Las Vegas. On our 2020 finale, reporter Jackie Valley and I have a story for you about animal shelters in the state, how they've fared during the pandemic, and how our furry friends are doing during this time. After that, reporter and assistant editor Michelle Rindells and Joey have a story about a new state grant program that is helping small businesses in Nevada. They talk with the state treasurer and a small business owner about that program. And then we have our weekly coronavirus update with Megan Messerly, our healthcare reporter, talking with you, Jacob. And at the end of the show, Joey and I sit down with editor John Ralston and have a little end-of-year message for our listeners. Twenty twenty has been a tough year. The pandemic and related economic instability have dramatically altered people's lives over the past ten months. But not everything was doom and gloom. As the virus sent people home from work and school, many decided to add a family member, specifically of the four-legged variety. Some animal shelters have cleared out their adoptable cats and dogs, and some reptiles, birds, and hamsters as well, as humans sought out more companionship. It has been a win-win for animal welfare organizations and pandemic-weary people needing a new reason to smile. Our own Jackie Valley and myself, Joey Lovato, talked with a few shelters in Nevada about adoption trends this year. In September, the Nevada Humane Society ran out of animals for adoption at its Reno facility. The Carson City facility has emptied out multiple times this year as well. Is that the silver lining of the pandemic? Is that there has been this renaissance in pet ownership? I think you're actually, you're absolutely right. That's the way I say it. I mean, I, it's tough to, to declare a silver lining in, in such a huge tragedy, but I do it anyway because it, it is the truth. That was Greg Hall, the CEO of the Nevada Humane Society. Since March, the Nevada Humane Society has seen an increase in adoptions and not much change when it comes to animals entering the shelter. Much of this could be attributed to the COVID-19 pandemic that has ravaged the state. Especially at the very beginning, the adoption demand was very, very high when we had the lockdown. We really noticed a big, big demand for that and our population started going down and down. The trend is apparent in Southern Nevada as well. Ari Medecki is a program manager at the Animal Foundation in Las Vegas. It's one of the largest animal shelters in the United States. Well, when this the pandemic first started, we we pretty much cleared out our shelter in terms of adoptions. The adoption was becoming really popular. People were at home more often, so they wanted companions. And additionally, we noticed the, a great increase in our foster inquiries because people wanted to have something to do while they were at home and the companionship. So uh, during the beginning, the adoption Every animal was pretty much getting adopted very quickly. We would have them on our website and you could look at them and then schedule an appointment, but they were going so fast. So at one point we had under, I think 200 animals where we normally have about 800. Some seasons are busier than others, but there hasn't been anything with this kind of impact in our history. According to a study from Maddie's Pet Project, About 70% of people in Nevada are domestic pet owners. If we use census data from 2019, there were more than 1.1 million households in the state, and 800,000 of those had at least one domestic animal, if not more. But the pandemic has ignited housing concerns. In October, a statewide eviction moratorium ended, 
leaving people to rely on a federal one that wasn't as expansive. The governor recently reinstated the statewide eviction moratorium through March. So what does that mean for animal shelters? In Las Vegas, the shelter is noticing more surrenders. It's been pretty busy. It definitely has gotten higher since the moratorium's gotten up, but it was, it was we were busy to begin with starting ooh, back in April. So it's been, it's been a busy year overall. There, there hasn't been, it, there hasn't been much downtime, but definitely as the moratorium has continued, it's, it's been an uptick. And we, we anticipate that that's what's going to continue in the future as more people, again, are trying to establish employment and or determine if they're even going to stay in the Vegas Valley. Very often they're having to make the difficult choice of moving out of state. And of course, they're, they're just not able to take their pets with them. And in Reno, here's what Greg Hall had to say. I think we dodged a potential bullet with the governor extending the eviction moratorium. We were really concerned that that we were going to get, you know, not only a drop in demand at the first of the year, but also that a lot of people, you know, were going to just be flooding in saying, I just lost my home. So fortunately, we've got a respite until the end of March, which I think, you know, hopefully some other things will happen with our economy and with the vaccinations. And so we're in a pretty good spot. To minimize the economy's ripple effect, the Animal Foundation has started the Pet Deposit Program. And it basically works. Families that have been affected by COVID that need to move, if there is a pet deposit that's due at their new location, we in the KEPT program and the Animal Foundation will cover that cost because we want to be able to keep everyone together. We can also assist with up to three months of pet rent because very often places will charge pet deposit, pet fees, and pet rent. And we know right now everyone is stretched to capacity. So again, we want to keep those pets in the home. And if the way we can do that is helping with the pet deposit, which we've been able to do working with several social services agencies here in Vegas, we will do that. Ari expects the program to grow over time as need increases. The pet deposit program, which has been in place since about September, has helped a total of 12 families up to this point. We have more that are in the queue that will go that will go through the process, so it will be more than that, but right now we're looking at about 12. While the pandemic has had positive effects on animals, some darker trends have emerged as well. Tammy Wines Jennings is the assistant director at Washoe County Regional Animal Services. She talked to us between surgeries where she was spaying and neutering animals. So you may hear some tiny meows in the background. We have seen a little bit, unfortunately, the level of cruelty and welfare cases have gotten a little worse through the COVID. And I, I don't know why. I don't know if it's, you know, you hear a lot that the, you know, domestic violence, all that kind of stuff has taken an uptick. I think the same thing kind of affects animals as well is kind of what we're seeing, unfortunately. Unfortunately, most of our cases are still, the one thing we're seeing is it's harder to get them through the court system. So all the cases we have right now are still in litigation, so I can't really talk about them too much. Thankfully, uh, we were able to get the animals, so the animals are now safe. So they're here with us kind of thing, and we're doing everything we can for them. But that's one of the disappointing things about all this. Reno has also seen a huge spike in cases in the past month. One Reno hospital has taken drastic measures. Renowned Health in Reno, Nevada, services one million people, over 100,000 square miles, 
And now the hospital is in crisis mode. Look at what they have had to resort to. They're putting patients in their parking garage. 265 people have been treated here in just the last three weeks. With so many people in the hospital, Tammy said her agency has stepped up to help. The shelter is taking in animals for those people battling COVID-19 or any other medical reason that may land them in the hospital. We also do have a program where anybody who is affected with COVID can call us and we can hold on to their animal for them if they're in the hospital or anything like that. It actually hasn't been as bad as we anticipated. I'd say we're probably under 50 total kind of thing. Thankfully, a lot of people have come in. They may The animals may be here for a day, then a relative can come down and get it. We haven't had too many long-term animals for that, thankfully. Like countless other organizations, state agencies, and businesses across the state, animal shelters aren't immune from budget woes. Greg Hall with the Nevada Humane Society said individual and business donations are 20% lower than what the organization projected this year. The money it generates through service fees is down 45% as well. So I always just say thank you. I know it's been a really difficult time for people. We know that they're hurting. You know, we know when we talk to people on the phone about making donations, some people can't make the donations. But at the same time, those people that can give are giving. And so our donations are down, but we're doing fine. Who else deserves a thank you? Our pets. Sure, they have soaked up the extra attention this year, but they've also been our loyal companions. As I record this audio, my cat, Sanders, is right by my side. You want to say hi, Sanders? She's a bit shy, so I'll let Ari and Greg lead us out. So we want to keep them out of the shelters and in the homes with the families. Especially now, we know the direct correlation and the benefits on a mental health level of having pets within the home. I think it's possible that the days of max capacity are gone for us. I hope that that's the case. What, what we've really learned, you guys, is, is that we used to think that if our animal population was too low, we would only have unadoptable animals, right? It was kind of a cynical view on the way things were. We take in every animal, you know, we're open admissions, no kill. So we take in every animal. We take in animals that are, you know, sometimes 18, 19, 20 years old takes a long time to, for people to find those. But what we found is, is that when we started, and this is the blessing of COVID, as we started having the populations go down and down and down, what we found is that it became easier to adopt what we had left. And it was such a great moment when we realized that. Have you guys ever heard the slogan, every pot has a lid? It's like, you see the, you know, amputee from, you know, a, a veteran, you know, come in and adopt the three-legged dog. It's just incredible when you see that, the bond that they have with the broken animals. But it's really true, you know, and so our hope is coming out of this is that, you know, by trying to focus on keeping our populations low, using fosters, you know, having more adoption promotions, that we're, we're not going to go back to those days where we, I have to tell you about the fact we can have 800 animals in here.
If you're looking for a furry friend this holiday season, you can check out the Nevada Humane Society website if you're in Reno or Carson, and the Animal Foundation website if you're in Vegas. If you're in rural Nevada, you can go to www.maddiespetprojectnevada.org adopt, that's Maddie's M-A-D-D-I-E-S, to get a full list of shelters in the state. Jackie Valley and me, Joey Lovato, reported and produced this piece together with special editing help from Jackie's cat, Sanders. From expanded unemployment benefits and rental assistance to forgivable loans to businesses, the CARES Act has been a major lifeline to many Nevada residents and businesses during the pandemic. It's pumped about $18 billion into the state since March, which is about four times the size of the state's annual general fund budget. But as the virus continues to tear through the country, the money is hitting a hard stop. The agencies that receive it have to use it or lose it by the end of the calendar year. As of this podcast recording, it's not clear whether Congress will pass a bill that extends stimulus relief into 2021. But to get some perspective on what has and hasn't worked since the federal government started injecting billions of dollars into Nevada, reporter Michelle Rendells and I spoke with the state treasurer Zach Conine, whose office has played a role in programs that have administered tens of millions of dollars. One of those programs is PETS, which stands for Pandemic Emergency Technical Support. Unfortunately, it's not as sexy of a topic as the pets we talked about in the last segment, but it's been key to keeping the lights on in thousands of Nevada businesses, including the Empowered Cafe, whose owners we'll hear from later. Nevada State Treasurer Zach Conine spends much of his day on the phone with small business owners, personally screening their applications to a state-run small business grant called PETS. Those conversations with struggling entrepreneurs has given him some perspective on the federal response to the health and economic crisis that is the coronavirus. We've had some resources from the federal government, a number that probably made sense when it was passed back in March. When we got it back in April, it probably felt sufficient. We didn't really know what was in front of us from a a pandemic perspective, either on the cost of uh, recovery, the cost of response, the cost of increased resiliency, and and frankly, unfortunately, the cost of, of life, right? And that amount of money was probably okay for a while, wasn't okay. We knew better in in July and August that it was going to be worse than we thought it was going to be. And we know a lot better now that, frankly, we just do not have enough dry powder in the CARES Act as originally intended to solve the problem. And I think the CARES Act, which was passed, I, I expect, with best intentions based on the information that was known at the time, it just, frankly, isn't enough. One of the most glaring issues with the money is that as of this moment, it has to be out the door by December 30th, or the state has to send it right back to the U.S. Treasury. So they're being told to burn through this cash with no guarantee that there will be any federal aid to help with the problems that are still around after we ring in the new year. That money all has to be spent or allocated by December 30th which in and of itself would be difficult because it's not like the pandemic goes away on December 30th. It's not like the eviction crisis goes away. It's not like we don't have to distribute vaccines. It's not that people won't need help with small businesses or food or really anything else. None of those needs go away, but all the resources go away. That tight deadline was part of the reason the state created pets in the first place. 
Previous efforts to usher money out to needy businesses were more limited and ended up unable to give out all their money. That's what happened with CRAG, or the state's Commercial Rental Assistance Grant, which had a more complicated application process and was limited to helping businesses with rent. Rent wasn't always the business's most pressing need. And so for pets, what our big focus on was how quickly can we get out money as easily as possible for businesses who really don't have time to turn around and fill out a whole bunch of paperwork, right? How can we make sure that the the money is going to businesses who maybe were kept out of the Paycheck Protection Program, the PPP program, because they were too small or because they didn't have an accountant or because they didn't have a lawyer or somebody who could fill out a bunch of paperwork? In its short application window, the PETS program received 13,547 applications for help, or about 10 times the number of requests it got for commercial rental assistance. The grants are typically for $10,000, so the state has requests worth about $148 million. And that's for a program that may only have about $51 million to give. One of those businesses that got the help was a cafe in Las Vegas that was launched by a special ed teacher and has a unique mission to train and employ people with disabilities who other employers sometimes overlook. So my name is Cassandra Barslow. I own, I'm part owner of Empowered Cafe with Christopher Barslow, my husband. We actually run the cafe. We try, we have trained blind business operators for the state of Nevada out of here. The cafe opened last December and was just getting its bearings when the pandemic hit. It had to close for about three months. And even when things reopened, the situation didn't improve much. That's because the cafe is located within the Grant Sawyer office building that houses state agencies in Las Vegas. With so many public meetings going virtual and employees told to work from home as much as possible, the usually buzzing building has gone quiet and traffic at the restaurant has dropped from about 120 people a day to 20. Some customers try to visit the cafe every single day, hoping to support its mission by ordering a meatball parmesan sub or a breakfast burrito. It's still really hard. I mean, we could close down and turn our backs on our dream and turn our backs on the people with disabilities, but what would that solve us right now in such a dark time? We need a ray of light. We need some hope. We need something to look forward to. And if I can make a difference in just my dishwasher's life, He loves it here. He cried the day that we closed. Like everybody did. He loves it here. And if I can just make a difference in his life, then I'm doing something good. Cassandra and Chris said pets wasn't the easiest thing in the world to apply for, but they were determined to get the help and keep their dream alive. I applied to everything. So I'm very tenacious about that. I really wanted to get our workers back. It was so hard. Like, my husband wouldn't have, would have gave up if he had to do it himself. So I literally three hours on that website and it was such a process and the site kept crashing down. I, I was so worried. It, it was just so hard to get done, but I wouldn't give up because we really needed it. So I just kept doing it until it, it went through. A few days ago, they got a call from Eric Jimenez, a staffer in Conine's office, letting them know that they would receive the grant. Oh my gosh, we literally cried because we, we just got the pet grant. And we, I, I honestly thought I was going to have to let my employees go again. So I'm like, we can't keep the doors open with only 20 customers a day. You know, it, it's just been really hard. So luckily we got the pet grant and I, I just told Eric Jimenez, 
agency had called us to let us know that we that we qualified and that we were going to be receiving the grant. And I told them, you know, if it wasn't for you, it might not have been a good holiday for our employees, you know, because we would have had to close. At the Empowered Cafe, the grant has been a relief, but it doesn't erase all the uncertainty about how the business will survive in the future. It's kind of like everyone's holding their breath. Just keep moving forward, really. I mean, that's all we can do right now is try to remain positive and keep moving forward because what else, what else is there? While Congress increases or decreases their stimulus bill proposal by hundreds of billions of dollars day by day, Conine sees those decisions in terms of each individual business that may live or die based on whether they get a $10,000 chunk of that federal aid. So every million bucks is, it's just, it's, it's tiny little bits of money, right? It's, you know, you, you just, it's a hundred businesses, but it's a hundred businesses who are going to be around next month who aren't going to be around if not for a program like this. Conine said it's been frustrating that the federal government has given states much of the responsibility of figuring out how to help their residents but just not enough money. I feel like we're doing everything we can. I don't feel like we're doing enough, right? So we're using a finite pool of resources. And and remember, every dollar that we spend on this is a dollar that can't be spent on rental assistance or vaccine distribution or masks for National Guard members or paying for the National Guard. As the state winds down a period in which it had to rapidly create programs such as pets that never existed before and quickly distribute massive amounts of federal aid, Conine said one of the bright spots is that Nevada's learning better how to handle the unexpected. But I, I do think there's a, there's a learning thing here, right? Which is that Nevada has never done a great job of being prepared for downturns, whether it's from an economic diversification standpoint, from a protecting the weakest among us, from, from building systems that we need at times we don't need them, right? We're always kind of like, well, we don't need it right now, so it's going to be fun. I'm hopeful, right, that we can take this time and that those of us who are somewhat new to government and, and are going to be here, hope, you know, hopefully for a while, can turn and, and use those things to fix some of these systemic problems long term so that next time, whether it's a housing bubble or a pandemic or meteor or Godzilla attack, we're just we're better prepared. We're learning a lot. I hope we don't have to use these skills again, but we're learning a lot. As of recording this podcast, Congress is negotiating another stimulus package that might breathe new life into some of the programs that have been a lifeline for Nevada during the pandemic. Keep reading the Nevada Independent for that unfolding story. If you want to check out Cassandra and Chris's cafe, it's called Empowered Cafe, and it's at the Grant Sawyer office building on Washington Avenue in Las Vegas. Due to COVID, the building is currently closed to the public, but you may be able to get in soon. They're also hoping to launch a service in the new year where customers can order pizza to go, so keep an eye out for that. This story was produced by Michelle Rendells and myself, and edited by me, Joey Lovato. And now we want to take a minute to dive a little deeper into the context of the coronavirus in Nevada. To help us do that, as always, is Nevada Independent Healthcare reporter Megan Messerly. Megan, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. All right, Megan. So uh, it's our last COVID update of the year because it's our last podcast of the year. 
But always, we want to get into those numbers. So uh, before we do anything, uh, we are recording at around 9.30 a.m. on Friday, December 18th. So Megan, what can you tell us about the data? Yeah, so you know, here we are now more than nine months out for the, from the first confirmed case of COVID-19 in Nevada, and we're, we're sitting a little bit south of, of 200,000 uh, COVID-19 cases confirmed across the state. As of this morning, we're about uh, 197,000 cases or so, but uh, given the number of new cases that, that we're seeing being reported each day, we're, we're going to cross that uh, 200,000 case threshold pretty soon. Uh, it's worth noting that, uh, you know, we, we saw, um, I think we talked about, we saw a brief dip uh, around the Thanksgiving holiday, which state officials were attributing to probably a slowdown in testing, you know, testing sites being closed, lab folks being off for the holiday. Then we saw those numbers started to increase again. Now we're at the point where we're seeing what might be a plateau or, or a little bit of a downward trend now that we've sort of gotten over that Thanksgiving um, bump, but state officials have said, you know, it's really too early to know where we're going. You know, we need a couple weeks of data to see where the trend is going. If this is just a one week fluctuation, um, if this is going to be the start of a decrease or if this is a plateau. And it's worth noting that if, if this is a plateau, these numbers are still really high. We still have a really high number of COVID-19 cases being reported each day. So, you know, of course it's good that they're not increasing, but the ultimate goal is, is to have them decrease. And so that's what you know, we'll be keeping an eye on over the next couple of weeks to see where that where that number goes, especially with the upcoming Christmas holiday and uh, other holiday season gatherings and whether, you know, that contributes to another uh, bump in, in COVID-19 cases. Uh, looking at the deaths, we're at uh, 2,681 deaths as of this morning. It's worth noting that we are seeing those uh, death numbers continue to increase on average. This isn't unexpected. You know, we've talked about how death trends lag case trends by, by by a few weeks, four or five weeks or so. So we're finally seeing that trend play catch up with the case trends. So it's not unexpected that we're seeing these numbers, though, you know, of course, they're they're very high. Um, you know, the, the average number of new deaths being reported each day now is higher than it was over the summer, which, again, makes sense. We're seeing more cases reported now than over the summer. But that's something that we're keeping uh, an eye on as well. And then the last thing worth noting is just the hospitalization numbers. Um, you know, we, we have seen some increases where, you know, in sort of that 2000 COVID-19 hospitalizations or so a day uh, range, the hospital association, you know, has said there might be some, you know, early indicators that, that we're at a little bit of a plateau. But if you look at it, it's really just, you know, a couple days worth of data. So really hard to know, you know, if that's going to be consistent or not. Um, on the other hand, you know, looking at the case data, that's sort of, the trend that starts first, so we can kind of look at those numbers and sort of get a sense of where, where we think hospitalizations and deaths are, are going to go in the days to come. But obviously, that's just a concern in terms of Nevada still has the most um, hospitalizations, hospitalizations per capita of any state. Uh, that's still true. You know, we still have room, some room in our hospitals. Worth noting, you know, Renown obviously using their parking garage, a lot of facilities have had to resort to, you know, expanding spaces, but you know, there, there still is room, but um, obviously we don't want to get to that point where the hospital system is overwhelmed. Mm. Well, now we're on the cusp of 2021 here. So I want to take a second and, and look forward if we can a bit, because there were some changes this week when it comes to what the state's doing as far as COVID related limitations, and some news regarding vaccinations, which I think everyone is going to be keeping a close eye on into in the first part of the next new year. As we head into the new year, uh, what do things look like? Yeah, so let's talk a little bit first about that, that statewide pause. So, you know, as we've mentioned before, we we're under this 
three-week statewide pause that started before Thanksgiving. Uh, this week, Governor Steve Sisolak extended that statewide pause for, for another month or so. So that'll be in place through January 15th. So again, you know, same rules are still in place. You know, uh, private gatherings are limited to 10 people, supposed to be from no more than two households, supposed to wear a mask all the time, whether in public or private, inside, outside, all the time. Um, uh, the, the big one, though, is, is the 25% uh, limit on some types of businesses, which includes restaurants. Um, you know, a lot of restaurants have been saying that's very financially difficult uh, for them, you know, uh, um, uh, so that that restriction is going to remain in place, you know, for the duration of this, this you know, now extended month-long uh, pause. And that applies to some other types of businesses like movie theaters, um, retail stores, and grocery stores, they're, they're allowed to stay at 50%, but um, the big box stores are still supposed to count their customers coming in to make sure they don't have too many people in the store at any one time. So all that will still be in place um, for the next month. No, no, no changes um, expected over, over the holiday, though it's worth noting that uh, Governor Sisolak, when, when he was addressing the public this week, you know, noted if the data gets worse, you know, sort of reserve the right to, to change and add to this as needed. So we'll, we'll see what happens with, with the case data and the numbers from here. Uh, the other thing you mentioned, vaccines, obviously that was the, the huge news this week is that uh, Americans started receiving the vaccine. It's going first to healthcare workers, obviously, as we've talked about. The, the first healthcare workers in Nevada have been vaccinated. UMC was the first hospital in, in Nevada to start vaccinating its staff the day the vaccines arrive. So obviously this is really uh, significant news. Um, on the other hand, uh, we just found out, we're recording this on Friday, we just found out Thursday night uh, that the second allocation of vaccine from the federal government of the Pfizer vaccine uh, is actually going to be cut by 42%. So Nevada is not receiving as many uh, doses as they had uh, anticipated. A lot of the national outlets have been following this because other states have been reporting that their allocations are also being cut. Um, some Trump administration officials have been telling national outlets that this is just a miscommunication and that it has to do with, you know, changing delivery schedules, but all the doses are still coming, but we, you know, should have more information uh, on that in, in the days to come. But it's also worth noting that um, the Moderna vaccine is now uh, coming. So that will also be, we've only been talking about this pool of Pfizer vaccine and now um, the Moderna vaccine will also be coming to Nevada uh, soon. So um, that will also, you know, be, be a boost to those those numbers. Um, and it's worth mentioning as well, that second allocation was was uh, destined to go to uh, the, the local pharmacy partners who are going to vaccinate the long-term care facility residents. So the nursing home residents. So the healthcare workers and those nursing home residents are in that tier one sort of first priority for this first round of vaccinations. All right. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on all of this and hopefully we can keep our fingers crossed for a uh, better 2021 than perhaps we had 2020. But we'll have to leave it there for now. And as always, if you want to know more about the coronavirus in Nevada, you can head to our website, thenevadaindependent.com. There you can find weekly updates from Megan in her coronavirus contextualized series, as well as a regularly updated data dashboard with all of the latest COVID-19 numbers. Megan, thanks for joining me. Happy to be here. All right, and so we're at the last segment of the podcast. And to wrap up the last podcast of 2020, I am joined by my wonderful co-host, Jacob Solis, and my wonderful editor, John Ralston. How's it going, guys? Thanks for saying wonderful, Joey. I appreciate that. I also appreciate it. <laughs> and so I think, you know, just to to end, like I said, the last, the last podcast of 2020, a uh, heck of a year. 
we just wanted to say thank you so much to our listeners for listening and our readers for reading and our donator, our donators, our, our donors for donating to us. You know, we couldn't do what we do without you. And, and you know, the work we do is, is important, we think. And, and it's, it's also really fun. And we have a really good time on the podcast. So I'm going to turn it over to Jacob and John here to, to say thank you and, 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 and to maybe give some of your favorite, favorite things from this year and your favorite memories from the podcast and, and beyond. Yeah, it was a it was a weird one, and it was a long one, and it was a bad one. Generally speaking, I think most people would agree. <laughs> but there was a lot, a lot of good work that we did in 2020, and I think that the most fun was probably just covering that wild election. What a wild time, everyone! Truly, but we got to talk to voters, and the interns did great work. And and I think the podcast this year has been more complete than it ever has been. And and I'm glad that the listeners have been with us on the journey and and gotten gotten to hear the the show evolve and and really get the best stories that we can tell through this medium so yeah i won't go on about that but i'll, I'll be thankful for that in 2020 could have been worse well joey and jacob i just want to say that this as jacob alluded to it's been a very tough year for everybody it's been a tough year for the indie i, I but i am telling you that the real silver lining is two things first that when i had to announce publicly in March that the Indy took a huge hit and that the, the, we were essentially down to nothing. And I had to cut the budget and cut staff salaries to the outpouring uh, from our readers and, and, and to donate to, to, to help us get this ship righted was really gratifying and a testament to all the great work of the staff at, at the Indy. And I'm happy to say that, that, that we are no longer in, in that danger zone that we were in March. It was a very, very difficult thing for me to have to do as the leader of this organization to cut the budget. And so I appreciate all uh, of the support that we received. And I'm also just uh, absolutely blown away by the performance of the staff during these really, really tough times. And the fact that all of you absorbed the pay cut and, and, and you couldn't see it in your work at all. And emblematic, I think, of the great work that was done is the work that both of you have put into this podcast to take it to the next level. And, and I'm sure that Joey and Jacob, you're going to it to another level in 2021. It's really one of the things that I'm proudest of is how hard you guys have worked. And that's just, as I said, representative of of this whole staff. So having said all that, I just hope that uh, people will continue to support us. Go on the site. There's that big support our work button. Give us a holiday gift. It's tax deductible, and it will ensure that we have this great journalism going far into the future. That's right. Thank you. Thank you for listening and being along with us. And we'll be back in 2021 hopefully a better year with with more great podcast segments and you know let us know what you want to hear on the podcast and and you know if there are any changes more john ralston less john ralston (laughs) these are the uh, things we need to know can i vote on that uh no you're not allowed to vote on that (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you guys thank you thank you Thank you for listening to the last episode of Indie Matters for 2020. We've got a long list of people we'd like to thank for being on the show this week. Jackie Valley, Greg Hall, Ari Medecki, Tammy Wines Jennings, Michelle Rendells, Zach Conine, Cassandra and Christopher Barcello with Empowered Cafe, Megan Messerly, John Ralston, and of course, Sanders. If you like listening to the podcast, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And share it on social media. It really does help the show grow and reach more people. 
We also want to hear from you guys, our listeners. It's the end of the year. What did you like about the podcast this year? What did you hate? Was there not enough John Ralston? Or more likely, was there too much John Ralston? Email me at joey at the nvindy.com or email Jacob at jacob at the nvindy.com and let us know. We love hearing from you guys. Our original theme song was written and performed by Reno band People With Bodies. If you want to hear more of their music, you can find them on Spotify and Bandcamp. We had additional music this week from James Grant, Lance Conrad, Joel Thomas Hunger, Michael Vignola, Storyblocks, and an original song by our own Joey Lovato, as well as a clip from KLAS 8 News Now Las Vegas. Thank you for listening to Indie Matters during this crazy year. I'm your host, Joey Lovato. And I'm reporter and producer Jacob Solis. And seriously, thank you for listening. We'll be back in 2021 with more episodes and stories from the best state in the union. Until then, have a safe and happy holiday, get some rest, watch a movie, listen to old episodes of Indie Matters, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you.